Last week, if you were with us, we started a brand new teaching series through the book of Mark. Uh, for the next however long it takes us to get through this book, we're gonna be looking at Jesus Christ, um, this man. We're gonna be looking at the things that he did and the things that he said, the things that he tells us to do. And uh, it's gonna be a great time. So last week we started in Mark chapter one, the very first verse, we looked at this man named John the Baptist and how the whole purpose of his life um, was just to prepare the way in his friends, and his family, and his co-workers, and his neighbors, so that Jesus could come and do what only he can do. And uh, this morning we get our first look at Jesus, and uh, we're going to be looking at the, the, what he's like. And so for some of you, man, you, you don't know anything about Jesus, this is your very first time to crack open the Bible, and we're so glad to ha have you here with us. For some of us, we, we know Jesus, have been following him, and what I love about God is he brings us together, and he sits us down, and he just invites us to examine, to, to look, to take notice about who Jesus is. I was thinking about my sophomore year of college. It was um, late August. And I remember I'd uh, been smitten by this beautiful, blonde-headed, brown-eyed girl. Uh, her name's Courtney. I married her, just so you know. I'm not talking about some other random girl. And um, I remember one of the things that we would do every night for about a month is we would sit outside of uh, the camp, the university we went to, and they had these swings kind of scattered all around campus. And we would sit at night, and we would just talk. And uh, it was mostly her talking, me just listening. And... Uh, just kidding. And so we would, I would sit and I would just listen to about who she was. I'd get to know her. Like, so she'd tell me about the things that she was passionate about and the, the things that she'd done, the things that she wanted to do with her life. And, and I remember just sitting there and getting to, to know her. And I realized, man, I can't not have this girl in my life. Like, after about a month, like she kept giving me the time of day. I have no idea why. And I go, man, if this girl is disillusioned enough to think that, that she would let me be in her life, then I'm going to pursue her with everything that I have. Like, and I love what, what Mark does for us here. Like, he's like metaphorically sitting us down on the swing going, I just want you to know Jesus. Like, you've been told a lot of things about him. Maybe, maybe you've heard some things. I want you just to see for yourself, to sit and to listen and to to get to know who Christ is. Because when you see who Jesus is, what he's really about, and when you understand that he actually wants us, we'll go, man, we've got to give our entire lives to pursuing this God. I zipped through these five verses we're going to be in this morning, earlier this week, and I realized, man, there's so much good stuff in here. My brother-in-law, his name's Wade, and I just, I love him to death. He married um, my wife's youngest sister, and when I think about Wade, he just loves the Lord and he's so fun to be around. And when I think about him, I think about him being the fastest eater that I know. Like, so I remember at Christmas, we sat down to eat. And by the time I sat down, he's already finished. And I'm like, um, and I realized that that's what I'd been doing with these five verses that I just kind of blitz through them. I just, uh, because there's not a lot of color, there's not a lot of details given that uh, I just missed it. And this week, as I just really sat in this text, I go, man, there's so much that we see about Jesus. And so uh, this morning, I just encourage us to savor, to think about um, who Jesus is and what he might be trying to do in our lives. And so that's enough introduction. Let's read Mark chapter one, starting in verse nine. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out to the wilderness and Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. 
And he was with the wild animals and angels attended. And this is the word of God from Mark chapter one. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want to point out three different pictures that reveal to us the significance of who Jesus is in these five verses. And so we're going to look at the water. We're going to look at the words. We're going to look at the wilderness. Um, Easy to remember the water, the words, the wilderness. And so look with me in verse nine. We're just going to go through this verse by verse, the water. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And so we talked about this last week. If you're with us, can you just picture this with me? This is uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people. If this is our context, he's out in Franklin in the Harpeth River and people are flooding to him. And literally he's just, he's baptizing them. I don't know if you know what the word baptize means. It literally in the most technical sense just means to go underwater and to come back up. And so all these people were getting baptized by John. And the message that he was telling people was simple. He says, man, look at your lives. Do you realize that, that, that you can live a life that pleases God? Like, do you realize that, that you can know God? Do you realize that the sins that you committed, like they don't have to stand over you and condemn you? He says, do you realize that in Jesus there is hope? Like, because Jesus has come, there's hope and all these people are getting baptized. And I think it's so interesting because in the midst of all these sinful people like you and me who are showing up to the waters and going, man, I want my life to count for God. I have sin. I need to be forgiven. In the midst of all these people coming to John, Jesus shows up and gets baptized. And I've been asking myself the question this week, why does Jesus get baptized? I don't know if you've thought about that, if that struck you this morning, is something that be strange. And so uh, if we have kind of two options here. Either Jesus gets baptized because he's admitting his need for forgiveness. And like the people, he's saying, "Uh, God, I've I've been living for myself. I've been living for other things. I want to live for you. We know that this isn't true. Like we know that that's not like a a real option because we see all throughout scripture that, that Jesus was sinless, that he never sinned. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God sent him who had no sin to be sin for us. First, or Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says that Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I have been tempted, yet he did not sin. And so while we come to the water and we come to baptism, we come to God in need of forgiveness, Jesus comes to water in a different place. He's not showing up admitting that he needs to be forgiven of sins. So what's the other option? What's going on here? It just kind of hit me this week. It's not that he shows up to the water admitting to his sin. He shows up to the water submitting to carry our sin. You see, the water is the place where we unhitch the sins of our lives. For Jesus, the water, the baptism was a place that he agreed to hitch up our sins to his life, to carry him to the cross. You see, there's something significant that happens in baptism. If you've ever been a part of a baptism, if you've been baptized, if you've seen it, there's something that is beautiful that happens. It's not mysterious or mystical, but it's, it's beautiful. It's this place where we're literally, you go down into the water and you come back up and it's this, what you're saying to God is that I believe that going down in the water because of Jesus, I'm forgiven of every sin. And so it's like a death, like our our sins and our shame and the condemnation and the fear that it stays in the water, but you and I come out no longer bearing our sin, no longer bearing the shame or the condemnation. And I just kept thinking about how beautiful it is what Jesus does here. (laughs) That it's him showing up and saying, Father, I will pay for their sin. (laughs) The sins that Brandon committed 
sins that Laura commits, the sins that Andrew commit. I will pay for them. I'll die for them. You know, I was thinking about the, the weight of this, the, the beauty of this, that Jesus pays our debt. You know, I'll share a couple stories, maybe can help bring this down a little bit. My junior year of high school, I was been driving for a little while and I was over at my friend's house and um, his name is Bone is his nickname because everyone in West Kentucky has nicknames because we're just rednecks and it's true. And so I was over at his house and I was backing up out of the driveway and I just ran into his truck, not on purpose. Um, and I just, as soon as I hit his truck, I'm just like, dang it. <laughs> Started thinking about like all the money that I earned that summer was going towards fixing his truck. Thinking about the hum humiliation of like having to tell my buddies what I'd done. And I go home and I tell my parents, hey, I was like, just stupid. I wasn't paying attention. I backed in my friend's truck tonight and just disappointed. Went to bed, just full of just like anger at myself. And I remember right before I went to sleep, my dad walked into my room and he said, Brandon, I'm going to pay for your, uh, for Bone's truck to get fixed. And I'm like, why? He's like, I want to take care of it for you. Like, there was something about that moment where I just go, man, like this is what I had done. This is my problem. And you're like coming in to fix it. Wow. I think about my buddy Chris, and some of you guys might know Chris, and he was a part of our family for a little while. He felt the, the call of God on his life to move to Athens, Greece, and to be a missionary. He wanted to go, but he, like so many of us, have a huge amount of uh, college loans staring, staring him down. He realized, I can't move across the country and help people because I've got so much debt. So he's just praying and praying, asking God. And one night, literally in the middle of church, a, a guy comes to him and says, hey, uh, I was praying for you and the Lord laid it on my heart that I was supposed to, to pay off all of your student loans that you can move to Greece. And the, the joy in that moment of realizing that you have this debt that is like literally preventing you from, from living the life that you know you're called to live. And I go, this is a picture of Jesus that he shows up and you go, man, God has incredible plans for us, but for so many of us, the sin of our past, the, the shame and the guilt and the fear that stands over us, Jesus Christ shows up and says, I will bear it. And so in, see, in baptism, we get this beautiful picture of Jesus, the one who loves us, who would take our place. The second scene that I want us to see this morning is the words, the words that were spoken over Jesus. And so look with me in verse 10. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. I don't really know what all is going on in these few verses. I know that it's beautiful and complex. I was thinking this week, though I've, I've never seen the heavens being torn open. I have um, never seen the Holy Spirit descend on someone like a dove. I've never stood at someone's baptism. I've never been, like when I got baptized, I did not hear the audible voice of God. And I realized that what is going on here, I think at least in part, is that God is wanting us to see how like special and unique Jesus really is. 
that there's something different about him. So I was thinking about, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, uh, God has been speaking audibly. This isn't the very first time that, that God speaks. Um, this isn't the very first time that, that God has something like good and encouraging to say about his people. And so, you know, literally he called Abraham his friend. Moses too was a friend of God. He was also a servant of God. Uh, David was known as a man after God's own heart. Ruth was named as, uh, known as the faithful one. Married, uh, the one who was highly favored. Paul, an apostle of God. And so all these titles and all these messages that God has spoken and declared over people, but you realize that about Jesus, God said, you are my son. You're more than a friend. You're more than a servant. You're more than someone who has a heart like mine. He says, you are my son. And you, Jesus, man, I'm so pleased. You know, I, I was thinking about, I, I've heard this before, that, that Jesus gets these words spoken over him by the Father before he had done anything. And I don't think that's true. I mean, I could be wrong here. So um, it seems that, that Father sees the selflessness of Jesus. It seems that the Father looks at the obedience of Jesus and the love that Jesus has for us, that he would take our sin to bear our cross, that Jesus, our great older brother, would step in and take the punishment that we deserve. And the Father looks at Jesus and he splits the heavens because there's so much joy in the Father's heart for his son, Jesus. And he says, you are my son. You know, one of the things that I've discovered is how much joy it brings my heart to my heart um, when Finley, my little girl, shares her toys. So I got a two-year-old little girl, her name's Finley. And if you don't know this about kids, um, they're really selfish. They're a lot like us. And so um, we've noticed that with Finley, she likes to say mine a whole lot. And uh, I just kind of remind her that the only reason she's on earth is because of us and everything is daddy's. And so, um, <laughs> um, but I, I remember she, there's something about her where she, Jones, my son, my six month old son will, will take one of her toys and she'll just grab it out of his hand. And she'll say mine. And it just infuriates us. But what we've seen recently is that every once in a while, Finley will be playing with her toy and Jones will be sitting there toyless and she'll give him a toy. And I know that that's so small, but to like watch your kid, like do something, like share the best that they have with another, brings so much joy to your heart. And the father looks at Jesus as he agrees to pay our sin, to pay our debt. And the joy of the father can't be contained in heaven. I wonder what it was like for Jesus. Jesus was fully human, just like us. Could you imagine literally hearing the audible voice of God, like thundering, like when you walk out in marathon day? Could you imagine? Clint, you're my son whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. Like, Keely, could you imagine? Keely, you're my daughter whom I love. Like, could you imagine, like, hearing that from God? Like, we have faith in God. We know that there's God. We don't have to be convinced that, you know, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we know that he's there. But wouldn't it be amazing to, like, hear his voice? Like, to know without a shadow of a doubt that this is how God perceives us. Think about the confidence that Jesus had in life. We're going to see a lot of things that Jesus goes through over the next several months I think he was really grounded in who he, the father told him he was and allowed him to go through so many things. And I love the, the words that we see 
being spoken over Jesus reveals how deeply loved he is by the Father. He looked at the water, looked at the words. Let's look at the wilderness. Verse 12. It says, At once the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, sent Jesus out into the wilderness. And Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. The wilderness was a place all throughout the Bible that uh, was a proving ground. Um, It was your... um, Semester finals. It's the place where where God would so often test his people to see if they were really his people. You saw this with Moses. You see this with Elijah. You see this with Israel. All throughout the Old Testament, so many times God would bring his people to the wilderness. The wilderness, when you think about what the wilderness is, it's, it's desert. So when you think with me about what the desert, what is a desert? It's dry, right? barren, it's isolated. And I go, it's so interesting that after Jesus has this amazing moment where he signs on the dotted line that he's going to carry our sin to the cross where the Father splits the heavens and speaks. It's like this incredibly spiritual moment and the Father's next move is to send Jesus into the desert with the enemy. And I go, isn't this life? Like, isn't this what life is like? And it's so often for, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's like the, the moments where you are just uh, in tune with God that are so often quickly followed by moments of dryness, isolation. So often the, the moments where our hearts are locked into God are, are so often followed mo- moments where the enemy comes to pull us away from the Father. I love what Mark tells us, though. He says that Jesus was in the, the, the wilderness and he was being tempted. That's all he says. Doesn't tell us if, if he overcame. Doesn't tell us if he was triumphant. It doesn't tell, doesn't tell us if he gave in to the temptation. We know from Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 that by the power of the Holy Spirit that was at work inside of him, that Jesus overcame every temptation that the enemy came at him with, that, that Satan, the very real enemy of God, the enemy of us, Uh, that Jesus overcame him. And I go, but why didn't Mark tell us about that? Why does Mark not mention that that Jesus overcame the temptation? And I think it's because he's wanting us to see something else about the story. He's like coming at it from a different angle. It says that, that Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness and the angels attended him. And what Mark is wanting us to see is that in the midst of temptation, God is there to help. That when the enemy comes lurking, God too is there. That in the dry, in the barren places of life, God is there. He's with us. And the thing that he wants us to understand as we look at Jesus, as we look at this real man who really lived, who's still alive, is that in this moment in his life, when he was in the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the enemy, God was with him. Help was there. He, Mark gives us these three great pictures of Jesus. I think because he wants us to understand who Jesus is. It's like he's given us this moment to like sit on the swing with Jesus and to, to hear about him. 
to see what he's offering, to see what he's come to do. To see what's available for us. You know, I think so often, like in, in my life, I've, I've shown up to places like this, or I show up to read, or I show up to pray, and what I really want to just do is to be an admirer of Jesus. I want to be a fan of Jesus. And the thing about Jesus is he's not looking for people who are just admirers. He's looking for people who will come to know him on the most deepest level and who will follow him and become like him. Who will be a part of what he is doing in this great world. I missed this detail that I've, I've never noticed before. If you were with us last week, we talked about John the Baptist and John the Baptist in uh, Mark chapter one, verse seven and eight. You can go back and read this today. Uh, He's talking about Jesus and he says, compared to Jesus, I'm not worthy to get down on the floor and wash Jesus' feet. That's how much greater, more significant Jesus is. Like I'm not even worthy to, to do the most unthinkable thinkable task to wash his feet. And then what is John doing in verse nine? What's he doing? He's baptizing Jesus. I don't know if you understand this or not, but it is an incredible honor to baptize someone. And I think what Jesus is showing to John is, John, you're right, you're not worthy. But I've come so that unworthy people like you can know me and be included in my ministry, in my life, in my work. I love how I got to see this this week. It's so beautiful when, when the church gets this. That we're not just made to be people that, that admire Jesus, but we're people that are made to, to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to be a part of what he is doing. And so I was having coffee with this guy on Wednesday morning and he was just telling me about his story. And he was telling me about how he first came to Ethos, that there was this uh, pretty girl that he'd ask out on a date and she said yes. And um, so on their date, she was telling him about Ethos and she invited him to come to church. And I go, man, good for you. Anytime a pretty girl invites you to church, go to church with her. That's a good thing. Like, and uh, so he, he shows up at church and he, he realizes like in the midst of being here, they just felt uncomfortable. He and this girl like didn't continue dating, but yet he just had this desire to keep coming back. One week he heard this message from Dave and Dave was saying, hey, if, if you're not a believer, you're welcome here. And so this guy didn't grow up in church. He didn't believe in Jesus. Like he didn't know God, but he go, man, if, if this is a place for people who don't believe, this is a safe place. And man, I'm glad to be here. He kept coming. Told me about one of the coworkers that um, he works with and that's what coworkers do. You work with them. And so he was at work and his coworker was telling him about this thing that he did to connect with God, that he'd go on prayer walks. Literally just walk outside and pray. So he said, I'm going to try that. So in the midst of this prayer walk, he said, for the first time, I had a conversation with God. He said, I, I was speaking and, and, and God was responding. Like, it's like I was asking and, and God was answering. Like I was seeking and I was finding. I'm going, yes, yes. That's what happens when you turn to God, when you, when you surrender, when you, when you come to him. You find him every time. Every time you find him, if you seek him, you'll find him every time. And so we're sitting there and he's telling me about, man, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's the son of God and, and I believe that, that he hears me and that he loves me. And I'm going, okay, so, so what do you need to do? It's like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, awesome. I was like, 
when do you want to do that? I was like, we can do that on Sunday. He's like, we have baptism Sunday coming up. I was like, or we can do it today. There's a baptistry set up at the cannery. He's like, I can get baptized right now. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I want to get baptized right now. I'm like, right now, nine o'clock on Wednesday morning. He's like, yeah, right now. Okay. So we go down and we baptize this guy. I later learned that Another one of my coworkers, he's a barista at the well, and he was telling me that, that he was just kind of looking at all the people at the well, and he was praying for them. He sent me a message, and he said, Brandon, I was looking at you and this guy, and he's like, I don't know this guy. He said, but I just felt the Holy Spirit leading me to pray that this guy would receive what God longs to give him. And I sent him back. I said, well, God answered your prayer because he received the Holy Spirit and salvation and fullness of life with God today. And I just was driving back that day going, man, look at the way that Jesus works. That, that Jesus has been pursuing this guy's heart for a long time and he allowed other Christians to be a part of it. This girl just invited him to church. And this coworker told him about a prayer walk and, and Dave told him that he was welcome here and, we got to stand over him and baptize him. And I go, man, there's so much joy. I told him, I was like, man, you need to go back and tell that girl that, that you became a Christian today. And I go, this is what happens when we know Jesus. When we don't just know a bunch of facts about him, but our hearts are like locked into him. When we are committed to living in this life for Jesus. You get to be a part of all kinds of crazy stuff like this. Watching Jesus do what he does. Like John the Baptist, though we're unworthy, we get to be a part of it. It's amazing. So what do we do with this? What does this story about Jesus mean for us? What is the fact that Jesus Christ is not dead, but he's alive? What does this mean for us? For some, I think it, it starts in the water. You might be sitting here and you go, man, for the first time, like, I want to know God. And I believe in Jesus. And I realize that, that I need to be forgiven of sin. Let Jesus take it from you. Experience what it's like to be forgiven. You know, one of the reasons... Uh, I so often forget about my need for Jesus is that I forget that he has taken away the entirety of my sin. Past, present, and future. You know, I am constantly aware of my sinfulness. But I'm so often forgetful that because of him, I'm forgiven. And when you set your heart to this reality that Jesus has come to take away our sin, your response is to always want more of him. To want to follow him. When you think about the, the sins that you stumbled up into last night and this week and the past year and 10 years and the fact that Jesus Christ would say, I've come to take them away so that you can be forgiven, so that you can know God, so that you can enjoy salvation and the Holy Spirit and life forever in heaven. When we think about this truth, we go, God, give us more of yourself. For some of you this morning, it starts in the water by you saying, I, I believe and I want to follow. 
Here in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to take communion. If you want to get baptized or if, if you're just interested in taking another step in your journey towards faith, there are going to be some men and women at the Red Respond banner to your right. And we'd love to just talk and pray. If you want to get baptized, you can get baptized today. We have a place set up for you to do that. Whatever it is, for some of you, this is where you are. For some of us, what we need to realize is that the same words that were spoken over Jesus, if we are in Christ, the same words are true of us. So if we have faith in Jesus, if we are walking with him, if we follow him, these words that we are the sons and daughters of God, dearly loved, they are true. That you and I are not some uh, second-rate stepchild. We're not someone that the father that Jesus just tolerates, that you and I are people that God wants in his family. John 1 verse 12 says that anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who would receive Jesus, this great gift of forgiveness and salvation, you become a child of God. So that you no longer have to, to be fearful. If God cares about you, if he loves you, you can experience him in the most intimate way. I was holding my son Jones yesterday as he was taking a nap and I just realized as I, he was sleeping, I just watched his like little chest go up and down as he was breathing. And I go, man, I, I love my son so much. And he doesn't do anything. But he's my son. And I go, you are a son and a daughter of God that he delights in. And for some of us, we just need to be reminded of this. As we take communion here in a minute, man, if, if you're having a hard time believing this, get your friends. Just say, man, I'm, I don't believe in it. I believe it in my head. I don't believe it in my life. I'm not living like a child of God. Get the people that you've come with to pray for you, to encourage God. Help us to, to know this. And the enemy is trying to convince us something else. God, would you show yourself to be more powerful? Let's pray. And for all of us, what we need to know is that if we are in Jesus, that God is always near that we will face testing, we will face the enemy, we will face dryness, we will face seasons where it feels like we are alone. But if we are in Jesus, we are never alone. I love this little detail that Mark gives us. It says that Jesus was in the wilderness with the wild beast. And I was reading this week, the original audience, the people in the first century that, who had been the first people to, to have read this book that Mark wrote. Um, there was this guy who was in charge. His name was Nero. And he was, essentially, he was the person in charge. And he hated Christians. He didn't believe in God. And so, so often what he would do to, to literally, and we can't even fathom this because it's so different than our context, but he would um, identify Christians and he would literally throw them in the middle of uh, in a ring with a lion. You guys have seen Gladiator, right? <laughs> it's like really happened 2,000 years ago. This was what was going on. And it's like... Mark is, is wanting these people to see who are literally facing martyrdom. To go, hey, you're going to lose your life, but God's with you. I go, as we look at our lives, man, we see the enemy in so many different ways that he comes after us when we're alone, we're on that business trip by ourselves, who come after us this afternoon. If you're in Christ, you're not alone. Finley, 
Um, she's recently discovered monsters. I don't know where, if it was one of you, I'm gonna kick your butt for teaching her about monsters because it's caused us so much problems. Um, we'll be reading books at night. We do this every night before bed. We'll read books and she'll say this all the time. This scares me. And she'll hug me and she'll say, I'm scared, dad, monsters. And I'm like, daddy's here. Daddy's here. She'll go, okay, next page. Monster, dad, daddy's here. Okay. And what you need to know is that, that God is always near. You have nothing to be fearful of. That nothing the enemy comes after us. God is with us. And he is strong and he is powerful. And no matter what this week holds for us, no matter what this month, this season, this life holds for us, the father is with us. So do not be afraid. Let's pray.